Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunities. Listen as we uncover real stories about how to innovate and improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. Let's get into the show. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining this episode of the Care Threads podcast. Um, my name is Jen Gray. I'm Director of Solution Consulting here at NetSmart. I've um, been with NetSmart for about nine years and have a background of working in the field with kiddos who have an autism diagnosis. Um, today, I'm joined by Jamie Pagliero, who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Learning Officer from Rethink. Um, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hey, Jen. Happy to be here today, and thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Um, My name is Jamie, and uh, I've been working in the field of autism service delivery and technology for over 25 years now. Started as a home-based ABA therapist uh, back before most people knew what ABA was. In fact, most people didn't even know what autism was at that point. Uh, And so it's been an incredible journey watching the evolution of this population and how they're served uh, over the past 25 years. And uh, throughout that time, I've worked in home settings, school settings, residential settings, moved up to New York City to open the first charter school for kids with autism in the early 2000s. And then 15 years ago, I had a chance to partner up with some other entrepreneurs to start uh, Rethink. Yeah. So like you, uh, like I said, a lot of industry experience, not as much as you, you have really great experience in the field, but I did work with kiddos with an autism diagnosis for quite some time before joining the NetSmart team. I also did some case management and worked in a residential facility. Um, So I would say autism is probably something that I would like to consider myself as me on, but not as, as detailed as you. I know you have a lot more experience than me, but I'm excited to be here today to talk a little bit about the prevalence of autism today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about insurance reform and what that means, as well as some industry trends, and then really talk a little bit about Rethink and what that means and how that can help support providers today. So we're going to start talking a little bit about the prevalence of autism today. Um, So I do have some statistics that I think are crazy cool to think about, um, but also kind of really get your brain going. Um, So the first one really is that 23 years ago, the prevalence of autism, I think the CDC reported that one in 150 individuals had an autism diagnosis. Today, that number is one in 36. Um, So if you think about those numbers, I think from 2000, that puts it at a 317% increase in the diagnosis. Um, And if you just look at the last two years alone, there is a 22% increase. So that number is rising. And there are a lot of different reasons, I think, for that rise. One of them just being that people are talking about it a lot more. The diagnostic criteria has increased. There's a uh, greater understanding amongst healthcare professionals. So just wanted to get your thoughts on why you think that number is increasing. And there's some other stats I want to talk about as well. But what are your thoughts on that, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, the statistics you shared are obviously uh, pretty mind-blowing and alarming. And at the same time, I would say it's really encouraging to see how our understanding of autism has evolved over that time. Absolutely improved diagnostic criteria, increased awareness, uh, and even the availability of services for uh, individuals who receive an autism diagnosis are contributing factors to the rising prevalence of the disorder. You know, it's also encouraging to know that more accurate diagnoses are being made and and that, you know, these individuals are receiving support and services they need. 
Uh, however, I, I think it also highlights the importance of continuing to research and unravel the complexities of autism and solving for this increased demand for services. One of the stats that I had seen was that the percentage of individuals, specifically eight-year-olds, who have Asian or Pacific Islander descent, Hispanic, Black children, had a higher diagnosis than eight-year-old white children, which for me is really cool to think about because it's really kind of closing that racial and ethnic gap because the population we were maybe looking at before were people who had easier access to get services. So I think it's cool that we're getting some data around those ethnic groups um, and that population as well, because typically they're underserved. So I think that also contributes to the prevalence and the rise that we're seeing in that diagnosis. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think all the increased advocacy and awareness efforts and the, the sort of moving away from this idea that it's a stigma uh, has helped many different groups here in the U.S. And, and even internationally with the detection and identification of autism, which opens up, obviously, opportunities for more uh, individuals to receive care and services. Um, but I think it also, you know, underscores the need for looking at equality and access to services. So great to see the diagnosis sort of leveling out across all these different populations. But I still think we have a, a huge issue here in the United States in terms of access, uh, equitable access to services. Yeah, and that that's a really good point and brings me to our next topic, which is really the insurance reform that we've seen around um, autism spectrum disorders. So I think right now, as of today, all 50 states have taken action to have meaningful coverage in state-regulated health plans. Um, so what that really means is that mandates insurance companies to cover individuals with an autism diagnosis. Again, all 50 states have this now. So I think that's going to start to help close that gap of now we have the diagnosis, what do we do, and how do we help these individuals live a more meaningful life? Um, so I have a little more to talk on that, but any thoughts on the insurance mandates that are happening today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the strides taken towards getting autism insurance reform passed in all 50 states reflects, you know, this growing awareness that we've been talking about and, and really the awareness of the challenges faced by families who are dealing with autism, uh, supporting a loved one with autism. Mandating coverage for autism-related services is, is a powerful step forward, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously the right direction. Um, however, there are still disparities uh, between the states and the, the regulations that Medicaid programs cover different services. And, and these disparities really underscore the importance of having to uh, have more standardization around how services are authorized and how outcomes are are tracked. I mean, at the end of the day, creating a truly inclusive society requires not only the initial reforms, but an ongoing commitment to refining and updating the policies to ensure, again, that equitable access to care for individuals with autism across the nation, regardless of their, their background or their socioeconomic status. 
Yeah, I think that's something I see a lot of coming um, from Pennsylvania and providing services here to kids um, and then working with folks who are in California and how they're providing services to individuals on the spectrum. Um, it's different across the board. So I think you're right in saying that, great, we're in a good spot, we're getting there, but there's always room for improvement and how we can kind of make this more uniform might not be the right word. It is a, a good word, but when we're talking about the autism spectrum, we have to think of each individual and how that's going to best protect them and serve them, but also making sure that we're consistent across the board from state to state. So I love that. I like that we should always keep the ball moving and get the right care for those individuals as well. So along those lines, one thing that we see a lot of, especially since the pandemic, was um, providers not really having the appropriate staff and there being a provider sh uh, shortage. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot of times that providers are reporting back that they're spending weekends doing work and nights doing notes and things like that. Um, so what sort of trends are you seeing from a provider perspective in the field today? Sure. Well, when we talk about those autism insurance mandates, what they're sort of authorizing or, or legislating is, you know, access to applied behavior analysis or ABA, which is considered the gold standard of treatment for individuals with autism. Here's the challenge. You know, there's, I think, about 74 million children in the U.S. today. And if we apply that one in 36 number, that gives us about 2 million children with autism in the U.S. And just talking about kids here for a second, uh, not even getting into the adult side of things and how many folks are out there diagnosed or even undiagnosed. You compare that 2 million children to the fact that there are uh, only 65,000 board certified behavior analysts. These are BCBAs, the clinicians that are uh, certified, credentialed to deliver ABA services. With those 65,000 BCBAs, that, that gives us about one BCBA for every 30 children. However, the board that governs the, the BCBA certification process, they recommend a caseload guideline of approximately six to, I think, upwards of 15 or 16 patients per BCBA. So if you, if you take 10 as sort of the estimate and you say, okay, they could serve about 10 kids, and yet we have one BCBA for 30 kids, it means there's three times as many kids as there are uh, behavior analysts to treat them. Um, now, obviously not all of those children may qualify for these services or even require them, but still it underscores just from a statistics perspective that we do in fact have a shortage. And that really aligns with you know what I'm hearing from families who are saying they're sitting on wait lists, they're calling multiple providers, um, you know, not only in, in rural areas where there's very few folks available to serve them, but even in highly populated metropolitan areas, there's just more families seeking services than there are services available. It's a stark reality that I think requires immediate attention. Great, we have the legislation, but it's concerning not only that we have a shortage of clinicians, but that the ones that we do have are putting in all these extra hours to meet documentation standards. What does this mean for providers, agencies that are employing these providers? Is, is that really identifying, recruiting, uh, and retaining a skilled team of, of BCBAs and then the folks who work underneath them, the registered behavior technicians or RBTs, um, is a vital step. But it's got to go beyond just recruiting people. 
you know, you as an agency to really do this well, you need to establish strategies to support and retain a team like this, you know, recognizing the, the work that they put in is very challenging. And, um, and, and a few things that I see agencies doing to really uh, help them with this process of not only recruiting, but retaining and building out a workforce are number one, having ongoing professional development for those employees. And whether that's, you know, training the frontline uh, behavior technicians and, and perhaps giving them opportunities to uh, get supervision or pursue a master's program to become a BCBA, but even for those BCBAs, continuing to help them continue their education, refine their skills, receive supervision from more experienced BCBAs in the field um, is a key component. Another piece is culture building practices and uh, things that place an emphasis on employee well-being, especially for those folks that are on the front line of care. I think, you know, it's it's really easy to say we pay people and we provide them training uh, and then we forget that we need to really take care of these folks, because if we're not taking care of the people delivering the services, that impacts their ability to provide care. And this is a challenging, challenging job. The last piece is, is, you know, where where I think, you know, Rethink tries to also support providers um, is providing the right technology and really the tools to make their jobs easier, more efficient, help them optimize the outcomes that they're uh, trying to accomplish. And you just think about any job, if you, if you showed up at a construction site and they didn't have the tools to do the job and they expect you to work with your hands, it would be pretty challenging. And so similarly, I think agencies have an obligation to make sure that if they're gonna serve this population of, of patients, they're gonna recruit this you know, profile of employees to be part of their workforce, they need to make sure that they're giving them the right tools when they walk in the door. Yeah, I recently did a webinar with a couple of folks and we talked about staff retention. I want to talk a little bit more about some things in Rethink that I think are really cool that help with that in a bit. Um, but you hit the nail on the head when you said, talked about building a culture. And I like to say making sure that that person's tools are always sharp, uh, making sure they have the right training, that sort of thing, and building the culture. And something I think we think a lot about when we're looking to onboard and get new staff in is how do we get them in? Um, but we don't think about, okay, they're here now, what do we do? Um, so uh, in a previous webinar, I talked a little bit about um, how we take, and one of the folks that presented with me, how do we take that from like a case management approach and making sure that we're just working with that staff like we would if we were serving a person who's needing those services. So um, the culture keeping their tools sharp, making sure they get the education. All of the things you said are super important. While things like um, higher on bonuses are cool, that's getting people in the door. That's not going to keep them where they're at. So I think that's a really great thing to bring up. And I do want to move to Rethink because you mentioned uh, some of the things in Rethink that I think are really cool. We'll talk about a little bit more about Rethink, but some of the tools in there, um, one of them being kind of the medical necessity assessment, I, that's like my favorite thing that you guys have. When I saw that, I think the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, I wish this is something I had back in the day, um, just because that is a big struggle when you're working with these kiddos and these individuals is to make sure that you're, for us, we had to go to meetings and almost request hours for those individuals. So making sure I know what's appropriate and I'm not just throwing a number out there, but also having data to support that. Um, so 
while we're talking about rethink, why don't you talk a little bit about that medical necessity assessment, and then we can talk about some more cool rethink things too. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, before commenting on the medical necessity assessment component, I want to zoom out and, and say, you know, when we started Rethink 15 years ago, there were even fewer BCBAs available. There was no insurance uh, mandates out there. And so we started Rethink as a technology company to really disseminate these, these evidence-based practices. And at the time that we started, our focus was on the K-12 public education system. How can we get these tools uh, and strategies in the hands of special education teachers, paraprofessional staff, families, uh, because we knew that was the, the best avenue that we had to reach kids. And today, you know, we have a, a platform, Rethink Ed, which is deployed in thousands of school programs and around the country and has expanded well beyond autism to provide, uh, you know, different types of uh, supports and services around behavior management, mental health prevention. But fast forward to today, our Rethink Behavioral Health Platform is really something that we custom designed around this dynamic between providers going into network with health plans and Medicaid programs to deliver ABA services to individuals with autism. And so at the root of it is really an electronic medical rector, practice management software, but it's really custom designed around this specific service delivery model. And we, we think about the entire treatment journey that a child is going to go through and all the steps that a provider needs to take. And that starts with um, prescribing or requesting an appropriate number of treatment hours. And to your point, you know, in the past, that's been a fairly informal negotiation you know provider assesses the child and using their their best clinical judgment they're coming up with a request for a specific number of services and, and just for those that are unfamiliar that could be anything from a few hours a week all the way up to 40 hours a week of service so a vast difference there in terms of cost staffing requirements um, operations how you schedule and deploy those resources and so Without any standard in place, Rethink put together a panel several years ago of independent experts to help us create a proprietary assessment tool that would help that provider standardize the way that they profile a child, come up with those specific treatment hours, and then help them in their conversations with all the stakeholders, the, the team members, but also the parents as well as the health plan or uh, the Medicaid program that's going to uh, ultimately fund those services. And so we've been really excited to see adoption of this tool by our users, uh, as well as some health plans um, to really help bring some order to this new category of care. Yeah, I think kind of that's where it all starts. And again, I would have loved to have something because I remember going into these meetings. And of course, for those of you who don't have never seen ABA services live in action, it is very, very data driven. So of course, I had the data to support that. But sometimes you need a little bit more than that, especially when you're going into these meetings, there's a lot happening. The family is also in our case, the family was also there and present and putting their input into the meeting with case management and the fundings, the managed care orgs, those sorts of things. So having that assessment is a huge step forward to making sure we're requesting the appropriate hours for those individuals. And again, you want the, the right number, not too few or too many, because too many means they're going to lose track and lose attention during that time. Too few means we're not going to accomplish what we need to accomplish in the time that we have. So 
it's really awesome. I want to kind of bring it back to the data collection piece because um, that is also something that's very, very important in this industry is to make sure that we're keeping accurate data. In in my day, that meant data sheets that I would make for my um, we called them therapeutic support staff back in my my day, but it was literally a data sheet in Excel that I would print out. And then at the end of every month, they would shove it in my mailbox and I would have to tally up all the tallies and count and, and do math. And I am not good at math. So who knows if that was accurate and who knows if I even got all my data sheets back for the month. So why don't we talk a little bit about how Rethink can ease some of that burden as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, whether it was Excel, I, I even remember the days of, of hand plotting on a uh, on a grid sheet, you know, my data points on a graph. It is a hallmark feature of ABA services is that we're targeting very specific skills to teach an individual or very specific behaviors that maybe we want to try to reduce because they're interfering with that child's ability to learn or uh, participate in other activities in a safe way. And so, you know, having that ongoing assessment, literally every teaching trial, every session of therapy, every day, every week, every month, being able to look at how the child is progressing relative to their individual goals is really one of the hallmark features of ABA. But it's incredibly time consuming and some of the uh, antiquated formats that, you know, we've been talking about pencil, paper, data, grid sheets, Excel can be incredibly time consuming and prone to human error. I mean, difficult to scale and get people to do these things um, the correct way. And, you know, whether it's their math skills, the time they have available, that that presents another obstacle. So one of the features of Rethink beyond that initial medical assessment is now to say, okay, we've identified a set of goals for this child's treatment plan. How do we collect data? And so we invested very early on in uh, mobile technology. I think when we started Rethink, people were still walking around with their, their Blackberries. Remember those? But, uh, you know, we've been, we've sort of ridden this wave of the, the smartphone revolution and we got on very early because we saw where this was going with, with people working in homes and in community locations, having the availability to collect data in real time um, right there on a, on a phone, an iPad, you know, was going to be critical. And so our platform is really designed to allow for that uh, therapist who's out there in the field to collect data using a mobile app, uh, which, by the way, can work even in offline mocs. We know that we have folks going out in the rural communities sometimes, and it pushes those data back to the medical record, and it automates all the graphing and reporting. So when the clinician comes in to review the child's progress, they're not just taking that raw data and then having to figure out how to transform that into graphs and reports they're immediately able to spot trends, identify patterns, generate a report for health plans that will help maybe continue services or help them with their authorization requests. And we see that as a huge efficiency driver because unfortunately as a provider, you're probably not gonna get reimbursed for those late nights of doing things in Excel or weekends that you're spending uh, writing those reports, yet they're necessary to deliver the service. So this is where we've just been uh, obsessive about how do we make that as simple as possible we also you know, recently launched a new analytics module on our platform that helps even a clinician with a caseload of patients to even identify trends or patterns across their entire caseload so that they can 
quickly pinpoint which of their patients might need some special attention. Maybe maybe there's things going on with their behavior. Maybe there's been a lack of learning progress going on. And instead of having to dig down into each individual child's record or run reports, they can actually now start to see those trends in aggregate across their caseload, uh, making them even more efficient at solving problems. I get so excited when we talk about data and how easy it is to do all of that and rethink because, again, I come from the sitting there for hours for each of my kiddos that I worked with. And again, I know we keep saying kiddos, but this could be adults that you're providing services to. I know you guys do um, some OTPT services within Rethink as well, Um, but it's just exciting to hear how all of that data collection is pretty much summarized for you. And of course you can manipulate and if you needed to, if you wanted to go in and edit some things, but it's just so much easier in the Rethink solution. The last thing I wanted to bring up, one again, one of my favorite things, I wrote a couple of my favorite things down that I get to hear every demo I sit in. Um, but the last thing I'll bring up is uh, VB map integration and just how that kind of ties in. Now, I would call it like a content library or library that you can utilize when you're creating programming and goals for those individuals. But the VB map was something we ran for our kiddos. And again, this was before there was any sort of Excel or app for them. So I was doing that in an Excel grid as well. But you have the integration right within Rethink that can then drive some of the things that you're going to need to work on with that individual too. Yeah, I mean, for for some that might not be familiar, the VB map is one of these sort of gold standard assessment tools that really help with making those decisions about where to go in and intervene, what specific skills to target with an individual, especially younger children. Um, There's some other great tools and and some that we're actually integrating in in the next year that help as kids get older and even into adulthood. Uh, But perhaps that's a topic for another podcast session. But the VB map is a jumping off point, yet still it's up to the clinician from there to determine how to write up a treatment plan, how to create specific goals, and then even how to implement those goals. You know, what are the actual behavioral teaching strategies that are going to be used to teach a child, whether it's to to make eye contact, to request things that they want, to uh, follow daily living routines like using the bathroom or eating at the table or, or socializing, making friends or learning job skills in the community. One of the amazing things about Rethink and and one of the things I'm most proud of is that when you move beyond that initial assessment process, you've figured out the right amount of hours, you've figured out the right uh, skill deficits that you're trying to target, it leads you from there into this extensive program library that we literally have spent years developing with our scientific advisory board's help and oversight. And what that is, is for every single uh, skill that you may need to target, there's a detailed written protocol that outlines an ABA-based practice for working on that skill with an individual with autism. Not only do you have that as a written protocol, but then every one of those programs has a video model that's designed to show a therapist, a parent, or a caregiver how to actually carry out that protocol. Because it's one thing to read it, um, but perhaps like a lot of people, you know, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. I sort of need to see somebody doing something to understand it. And it might be hard to make that leap from a written protocol 
to actually being able to implement something. And so we filmed thousands of video demonstrations so that when they get to the point that they're selecting specific treatment goals, the whole therapy team then has a standardized way of how they're going to implement those tools, a training resource to help them with implementing those protocols with fidelity. There's even the materials are, are available that, you, you know, if you need picture cards, schedule. I mean, I can't tell you how many hours probably you spent and I spent laminating cards or searching on the internet for images to help with a specific program. This is a huge game changer because again, not only is it driving that workflow efficiency, but it's creating quality standards. And I, I do want to underscore here, everything can be individualized. So a provider is not limited or, or boxed in by these programs. They can still go in and tweak any program. They can edit, they can modify. They can even bring in custom programs because maybe they're going to work on something very unique to a client or they've created some of their own uh, curriculum within their agency. All those are possibilities within Rethink as well, but it really is sort of creating the framework so that if you're an agency that maybe has a lot of employees and you're trying to ensure quality standards, this is a way to bring that rigor in. Or if you're an agency that's just going to start providing these services, it gives you a standard, a foundation for building out your service model as well. Yeah, I think... The materials is what always gets me like excited to think about because I know when I was doing that, there was a time we could have, I'll put in air quotes, y'all can't see me, but billable or non-billable hours. And I could bill under, I couldn't bill under this. We never knew what was going to happen. So I think that kind of even goes back to ensuring that these staff aren't getting burnt out because there's already a resource for them to use and they can really focus on those, those folks that they're providing services to. So last chance for any cool rethink things that we want to bring up before I kind of bring us in for a landing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I think about the future all the time, sort of where are we headed next? I never get satisfied that we've, you know, done everything that we want to do. And, and 15 years into this, you know, I still get out of bed in the morning, pretty excited about the impact that we have and the, the work that we get to do. I think the thing that makes me most excited is that after building these tools over the last 15 years, we have amassed a treasure trove of data. Uh, and it's not just that skill acquisition data, but it's data on services, you know, schedules, the demographic profile of patients. Uh, we have hundreds of thousands of patient records now. And We've uh, put together a data science team of folks who have both expertise in autism as well as expertise in artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, and one of the things that we're really invested in is how can we use this data set to help better predict what outcomes can look like for a child, but also to better direct providers and provide a roadmap that will help them achieve those outcomes more consistently. And we've already started that work within the medical necessity framework of really refining those treatment recommendations at the front end of treatment and really figuring out how do we prevent uh, under prescription of services, making sure that kids are getting that right level services, especially those young, newly diagnosed children where we have this, this window of opportunity to provide really intensive interventions and get uh, really incredible outcomes, but also making sure that we're not over prescribing services, which 
you know, the more services a child gets isn't always better. Sometimes there are points of diminishing returns with services that are delivered. And the more a child's in treatment, the more that it restricts their ability to participate in other community activities, social activities, family activities uh, that I think are equally important from a holistic view. Um, so we're really excited to continue to apply AI and machine learning to our data set so that we can look at every single stage of the treatment process and bring more insights into our products, which will ultimately position our providers to uh, be able to benchmark what they're doing, make sure that they're achieving the right level of progress and care with each individual they serve, and ultimately for agencies to be able to compete in what we know is coming next, which is value-based care uh, payment arrangements. I love this. I get really excited anytime we talk about this field and this service line, and still very near and dear to my heart. I might even have folks that I've provided services to listen to this podcast. So if y'all are listening, hi, I love you guys. But uh, just to kind of bring it in for a landing, I want to just say one of the things that I'm most excited about everything that we talked about today, but how this is integrating within some of the NetSmart EHRs as well. So when you are offering other services outside of ABA, we do have a way to both offer the ABA data collection pieces, the scheduling, all of that fun stuff that will then feed into one of the NetSmart EHRs, um, which is really cool and something that, again, we can talk about in another podcast, but it's something that I get excited about because it to me, it's kind of that missing piece of the puzzle at NetSmart where we can really provide the best services to these individuals. Well, we love this partnership and appreciate it as well because it's really helping us connect with more providers that uh, that may be doing a whole variety of services. You know, we, we've been laser focused on a specific specialty area of ABA and autism with developing our products, but we know that there's many, many multi-service health and human service agencies out there that NetSmart is partnered with who have expanded into or, or planning to expand into more autism services. And so for us to be able to partner up with NetSmart to deliver tools to those subsets of, of providers within those agencies, uh, and again, equip them with the right tools to go out there and do a great job with the individuals they serve uh, is really exciting for us in terms of expanding our reach. So we appreciate the opportunity. Well, Jamie, I love talking to you. I love getting together and talking all things Rethink. And I think I get more excited every time I hear about Rethink and get to see a demo. So thank you for hanging out today for a little bit. Um, and we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Care Threads. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again, Jen. Have a great day, everybody. At NetSmart, we understand the challenges facing provider organizations. Our team will help you navigate changing value-based care models with solutions and services that make person-centered care a reality. We'll equip you with technology and services that provide holistic, real-time views of care histories that inform better decision-making and better outcomes. Visit us today at ntst.com. NetSmart, serving you so you can serve others. Thanks for listening to the NetSmart Care Threads podcast. Through collaboration and conversation, we can work together to make healthcare more connected than ever before and better support the communities we serve. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.